It is good to be here at Summer Church in sunny Robbo. I have, um, I have dressed for the summer. I'm resisting Robbo's cloudy weather. Um, if I had a Hawaiian shirt, I'd be wearing one, but I don't, and uh, I'm probably never going to buy one. But if I did, I would. And if you would like to wear a Hawaiian shirt to church for Summer Church or any week, you're welcome to. Um, I, uh, I know it's not exactly New Year's, we've, we've been New Year's for about two weeks now, but um, I would like to start my New Year's sermon with um, some New Year's resolutions, and um, so I went to uh, one of um, uh, America's top New Year's resolutions for 2024, I figure they're not going to be too different in Australia. Here they are, uh, for this year, uh, to save more money, uh, I actually think this has to do, this has moved up from um, number four to number one this year, I think this is to do with interest rates and uh, inflation. Um, save more money. Uh, number two, exercise more and eat healthier. They go together, don't they? Um, spend more time with friends and family. What a good resolution. Uh, and uh, then you get lose weight, which is a bit more the same as what was up higher. Reduce your spendings on living expenses. Um, this is a new one. Spend less time on social media. It has crept in from number 11 last year to whatever that number is now, six, seven, something like that. Um, isn't that interesting? A rising trend, spend less time on social media. Has anybody thought about that as a resolution for this year? No? Pro probably people who aren't on social media or those who are on social media going, oh, God, couldn't I die? Um, anybody, uh, anybody doing any of these other ones? Uh, we love to make resolutions, don't we? Uh, because we imagine something better for ourselves. We imagine a, a better life. We imagine a, a, a new body or a new mind or a new discipline, something like that. Um, New Year's resolutions, they're all about transformation uh, and seeing ourselves transformed into the kind of person that we would like to be. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask at the beginning of the year is, have you made plans for your spiritual uh, transformation in 2024? Have you made any plans for that? Um, what do you hope God will do in you and in your heart and in your life in 2024? Um, where do you want this journey with Jesus to take you? Because Jesus doesn't want you to stay still. He doesn't want you to go backwards. He actually wants you to go forward with him. He wants you to keep following, doesn't he? Um, so what are your spiritual New Year's resolutions? Um, because we're not just here at church for our weekly shot of religion. That's not what we're here doing. Um, Jesus doesn't want us just for an hour a week. He wants us all the time. We're here to be transformed. And the kind of transformation that happens when people meet Jesus. Uh, and that's what we're going to see in our Bible passage today, a transformation story. There's three takeaway lessons, as always, that we can build into our own faith story for 2024. So why don't we pray that God would start His transformative work in us, even now. So let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, will you speak to us through the Bible as we open it now? Will you use it to sharpen us and focus us and uh, help us to be more like Jesus every day? And we pray in His mighty name. Amen. Uh, well, if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably know the Zacchaeus story, um, or at least you know the song. What does the song go like? This was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, the Lord he wanted to see. Very good. That'll, that'll do. <laughs> uh, if Zacchaeus is remembered for anything, uh, he's remembered uh, for being short, um, but he's not the shortest man in the Bible. I mean, here are my two Bible jokes that I know. Beck, you excited about Bible jokes? Um, <laughs> uh, it, in the contention was Nehemiah, because you know, he was knee high. Uh, then there was uh, Job's friend, Bildad. 
Bildad the shoe height. Perhaps he was as high as a shoe. But I think the tiniest man in the Bible was probably Peter because he fell asleep on his watch. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, if I ever get to run um, trivia night at Church Weekend Away, now you know three of the answers. Uh, Ross and Hannah, you're on notice. Um, <laughs> let's get back to Zacchaeus, hey? Um, there's more to Zacchaeus than his height, though. If you look at verse uh, 1 in chapter 19, um, we learn this. Uh, as Jesus entered Jericho, he was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. And he wanted to know, or he, sorry, he wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short and he couldn't see over the crowd. Um, so Zacchaeus is a tax collector, a chief tax collector for the Roman Empire. Uh, at the time of our Bible passage, the Romans had conquered most of the Mediterranean, the North Africa and Egypt and modern-day Turkey and Syria. They were huge. And, of course, they'd captured Israel where Jesus was. They were occupiers. Uh, Rome had army garrisons all throughout their territories, and that's one of the ways that they kept people in check. But the other way was through taxes. And uh, in New Testament times, tax collectors were seen as collaborators with the occupying Romans. Uh, they worked for them. They collected taxes from their own people. And we know uh, from Zacchaeus or from other parts that Zacchaeus was probably also somebody who took a lot of extra on top for himself. He became wealthy by oppressing his own people. And, uh, and I'm sure the townsfolk knew who Zacchaeus was uh, because he would have sat there in his booth and they would have had to give him the money that they owed to the Romans. Uh, in verse 5, they call him a sinner. The people mutter and call Zacchaeus a sinner. But Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. He, he wants to see who this Jesus person is. Uh, he wanted to see what Jesus had to offer. Because remember, by the time this encounter had happened, Jesus had been traveling about for almost three years. He'd been doing miracles. He'd been healing sick. He'd been preaching wisdom that nobody had ever heard before. Uh, he'd been transforming lives. He'd been transforming communities. And Zacchaeus wanted to see it for himself. He wanted to know if God could do that for him, if Jesus could do that for him. See, I think Zacchaeus was looking for his own transformation story. And I wonder, are you looking for a transformation story? You might have known Jesus for a long time, but there might be still parts of your life that you want him to transform, to change, to renew, to fix. Um, perhaps like Zacchaeus, you've heard these stories about Jesus, but you don't know what to make of them. Perhaps uh, you know, you're not sure if they could be true in your life. Um, I was reading uh, in Matthew this morning, uh, in Matthew's gospel, actually, uh, just when it says Jesus heals the sick. Uh, he healed this man with, uh, with leprosy, I think it was. I thought, wow, can he, can he heal me like that? I asked that question this morning. You, does Jesus really heal the sick? Does he really cure addiction? Does he really bring forgiveness where there's only pain in your life? Can it really be true that Jesus could bring transformation to your life today? I bet you there's something in your life that you wish was different. Well, Zacchaeus decides to find out for himself. And so verse 4, Zacchaeus runs ahead and he climbs this sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, he, he's little and so he climbs a tree. I'm I'm guessing it was highly undignified for Zacchaeus to climb that tree. Um, you know, this wealthy man, this sort of, I guess, a figure in society, going and climbing a tree like a child might do, uh, that would be very undignified. But he wants to see Jesus, and he maybe thinks that nobody's going to see him. Or maybe he thinks it just doesn't matter. I, I, I want to see Jesus for myself. It's worth 
risking my dignity. It's worth risking my reputation. How else was he going to see Jesus? You know, if he asked somebody to put him on his shoulders, well, that would be even more undignified. That would be even more humiliating. So Zacchaeus climbs this tree and he does what it takes to see Jesus for himself. And that's our first big idea for today. It's about seeking Jesus. See, if you want to know who Jesus is, you can't just stand back and wait. You can't just stand back and wait for him to come and reveal himself. You need to go after him. You need to climb the metaphorical tree. You need to do what it takes so that you can be sure one way or the other that Jesus is who he says he is. You need to go and find out for yourself. And you know, when you do that, a bit like Zacchaeus climbing the tree, it might raise some eyebrows. Uh, when you're a Christian in this world, it can raise some eyebrows. People, people might think you're undignified or a bit, a bit humiliating to go and find out who Jesus is. Uh, when you start to come to church regularly, um, I think most people here today are regular churchgoers, but perhaps if that was a new thing in your life or maybe the people that you talk to, when they start to come to church or, or if you join a course to learn more about Jesus or if you, you, you're one of those religious people, people might start to look at you a bit funny. Um, you might start to read your Bible this year and all of a sudden you find yourself being changed by what you read and people might look at you and think, are you changing? Are you a bit different than who you were before? But take a lesson from Zacchaeus. Transformation starts by seeking Jesus and making this deliberate decision to follow Jesus. And so what steps will you take in 2024 to follow Jesus? Second idea is welcoming Jesus. Uh, one of our favorite television shows in our house is um, The Long Way Around. There's two celebrities, Ewan McGregor and uh, Charlie Borman. They ride their motorcycles 19,000 miles, 30,000 kilometers across uh, from London to New York, all the way through Russia and Siberia and Mongolia. Um, it's pretty amazing. It takes them 106 days. Has anybody seen it? Long way up, long way around, long way down, long way across. I don't know, all the long ways. Uh, one of the parts I remember the most is these guys. Um, they're traveling on their motorcycles. They don't really have plans where they're going to stay every night. And sometimes locals would invite them into their homes. Sometimes it's pretty weird. <laughs> but oftentimes what you see is these uh, people who are just locals uh, find uh, they meet two motorcycle riders on the road and they say come and stay at our house for the night and they invite them in they give them a bed they give them food uh, they share what they have they make them feel welcome they open their private world to complete strangers just for a moment have you ever had an experience like that where somebody just opened their private world to you well it happened to Zacchaeus remember Zacchaeus is up in the tree verse 5 when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he, Zacchaeus, came down at once and he welcomed Jesus gladly. Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Um, I was thinking about this. I was wondering if, my, you know, if that happened, would my house be neat enough to have guests? Um, probably Zacchaeus had a lovely home. He was very wealthy. Um, but, you know, Jesus doesn't go to people's houses to admire the decor, does he? He doesn't go to your house to admire the decor. He comes to your house to do business with your soul. He has something that he has to do in Zacchaeus' life. I think about the other examples later on. Whenever Jesus, um, we find out that Jesus is in a certain person's home, there's always a lesson to be learned. Something of significance is going to happen. And the business, at uh, this time, the business is transformation. See, Zacchaeus is ready, I think, for whatever Jesus has for him. Uh, look at the urgency in verse 5. Come down immediately. 
I must stay at your house. I must be today and do it at once. And he comes down at once. Um, see, this was Zacchaeus's one chance to meet Jesus. Uh, this was his one chance for a face-to-face with the greatest teacher of all time. This was his moment, and he takes it. Uh, and you know what? Today might be your moment. You might have been coming to church forever, but you've never really met Jesus. I'm not sure. Today might be the moment where you meet Jesus. Jesus looking at you from around the corner. He says, I need to sit down and talk to you. I've got business to do with your heart. We need to talk. You might be like Zacchaeus. You might have done things that Jesus wouldn't approve of. Um, and you know what? That never stops Jesus from talking to you, but he will get to those things, but they're never an obstacle to start in a conversation. He just wants the chance to talk to you face-to-face and heart-to-heart. And your job is just to let Jesus in and to welcome him and to welcome him into your private world just for a moment. Let him, just, uh, let him speak truth into your world, which can be terrifying, especially if you're the sort of person who never lets anybody come close. But transformation is never easy, is it? Transformation is never easy, but it's all about changing your life. Well, let's zoom out again to the people uh, who are around Zacchaeus. Uh, did you notice the reaction of the townsfolk when they heard that uh, Jesus was going to go to Zacchaeus's house? All the people, they see this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Um, culturally, of course, it was against uh, the Jewish religious teachings for a rabbi or a teacher to associate with a known sinner. Uh, religion was for the righteous and the righteous keep to themselves of course they keep all of those sinning people away from themselves they keep away anything that might keep them from being unclean might bring them into unrighteousness and i guess that's kind of good idea right but it does mean they pushed a lot of people away and decided never to talk to them about important things of god they see jesus he wasn't like the other religious teachers Uh, jesus didn't seek out the self-righteous he was looking for people who are ready for a heart change um, but you know what? The watching world is pretty judgmental. Um, you know, they ask, did you pick that guy, Jesus? Why, why would you have picked the sinner? Why wouldn't you come to my house? I mean, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a priest. Like, I'm a, I'm a minister. I'm, a, I'm one of the most religious people. You know, why would you pick that guy? Why would you pick that sinner? Why would you pick that person who does the wrong thing? Look at them. They're hopeless. Couldn't expect you to change their life, could we, Jesus? Worse is the attack that comes as muttering. You know, when a person starts to change their life to include Jesus, um, often other people start muttering, she's going to church now, we know what her life was like and the things that she's done, or that that man's starting to come to Christ, well, why would he have the right to do that? We know about his life and all the things he's done. Sometimes it's work colleagues who start muttering, or might be family members, might be friends who start muttering, well, they think they're pretty righteous, don't they, choosing to go after Jesus worse sometimes it's the people in the pews why is that woman coming to church she doesn't deserve it why is that man coming we've known him forever we know all the things that he's done don't be those people in the pews by the way somebody comes to church this year looking for transformation don't be those people when a person first starts to come to Jesus when they first start to welcome Jesus into life it's a pretty fragile moment Um, You know, they might be inviting Jesus into a marriage, might be inviting Jesus into an engagement or into a family system or into a lifestyle and a worldview that they've spent their whole life living in. And so uh, accepting Jesus, it's going to take adjustment. And sometimes there'll be big adjustments in a person's life, but nobody said transformation is easy. 
And if Jesus is who he says he is, then there's no better pathway to go down in life. And so welcome Jesus, invite him into your personal world. Uh, Ask him to speak to your values. Ask him to speak to your beliefs and your hopes and your dreams. He can't do that if you shut him out. And if your dream is the great Australian dream and not the great Christian dream, you've got to ask yourself, am I dreaming the right dreams? Am I going after the right goals in life? Church, we need to help people welcome Jesus into their lives. We need to be advocates of Jesus and supporters when people start to let Jesus in, when people take little steps in faith. Sometimes we wish, wow, why don't they go faster? But little steps in faith are amazing. I love to see somebody move from having no conversation about Jesus to just a little bit. Or somebody says, I want to come to an event. Maybe not, a, maybe not a six or a 13 week course about Jesus, but I want to have a conversation. That is a huge step for most people in 2024, especially if they're not a friend with Jesus. And church, we need to invite our friends to take those little steps to begin the transformative process. We need to support them along the way. Let's not mutter or cry them down. Let's support them. Um, and for ourselves, we actually need to keep letting Jesus into our lives. Um, we don't become a Christian once and then we kind of forget about Jesus. Actually, Jesus wants to keep growing us and changing us all the way through our lives. He wants to keep changing us and making us more like Him. And so we need to keep welcoming Jesus into the secret places of our hearts in 2024. And I hope you're going to do that. And the third idea is changing before, uh, because of Jesus. Um, do you really think that people can change? Do you really think that people can change? Um, I was in year 11 or 12, I think it was. Uh, I was in the cadet corps at my school and we had this 24-hour exercise where you go out and you, it's called escape and evasion. Some people are running away and some people are trying to catch the other people and you do it for 24 hours. Anyway, I was, uh, I was on support this year and uh, so I was put on a checkpoint uh, and I was there for a 12-hour shift overnight And I found out that I was placed on my shift with this guy called Scott from my grade. Um, Scott uh, was not somebody I'd ever talked to much, uh, even though we'd caught the same train together for uh, five or six years. We lived in the same suburb. Uh, We didn't catch the same bus, but definitely the same train every day. We were in lots of the same classes together. We had gym class together. Um, But there was a difference. He was on the rowing squad. He played football. Uh, I was in the choir, and I was into rock climbing. And so he was popular, and I was alternative shall we say um uh and i remember the only interactions we really had were pretty stereotypical of the jock and the nerd and uh, so when i found out i was going to spend 12 hours on this checkpoint with scott i wasn't super excited um and so our conversation started nervously uh he was much more quiet than i imagined and uh, he told me the reason that he was on the checkpoint is that he'd had a life-changing experience recently which was an illness he'd got chronic fatigue syndrome and uh, it had robbed him of his athletic dreams. He'd expected to, you know, play football and potentially professionally. And now he struggled with his daily activities. He struggled with concentrating. He struggled with schoolwork, which he'd already had trouble with to begin with. But he'd also had another life-changing event, and that's that he'd become a Christian. And I said to him, you became a Christian? Me too. And, uh, and we had this strange conversation. And, and he, says, he says to me, he said, I thought you'd be way too cool to be a Christian. And I was like, oh, touche, brother. Um, Turns out you never know who's going to welcome Jesus into their life. We can't make presumptions that this person or this person is too cool for Jesus, or that this person or this person is too wealthy for Jesus, or that this person or this person is, well, fill in the blank, 
to something for Jesus. Uh, we can never think in ourselves, well, well, they would never expect Jesus, so I'm not going to bother with them. That's not your job to do. See, Jesus uh, rewrites stories. Uh, interesting, I met Scott again at our 20 or 25-year um, school reunion, and uh, he is still struggling with his health, but he's still following Jesus and living life to the full. Uh, and it's interesting, Jesus rewrites stories. You know, an athletic jock who was going to become a professional footballer ends up having a quiet life following Jesus. Me, a choir singing, rock climbing guy, <laughs> gives up all of that to become a minister. Isn't that strange? I never would have expected it in my story. And uh, maybe Jesus got a story to write in your life that's something you haven't thought of. Maybe, depending on, no matter where you're at in life, he still might have new chapters to write in your story. He can rewrite your story if you let him. Uh, do you know that expression, a leopard can never change its spots? Um, we use that expression to sort of say, uh, you know, once you grow up, nothing can change about you. We don't really expect people to stop doing stuff that they're doing. We don't really uh, expect that they'll have major transformation in their life. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Change is just not realistic after a certain point in life. And to some extent, it's true. Uh, when God speaks these words in the book of Jeremiah, he's actually talking about people when they were stuck in sin. It was his people that were stuck in sin and they'd rebelled against him, and they'd become accustomed to doing evil. Uh, but that was Zacchaeus' story, wasn't it? He'd been accustomed, he'd been stuck in this sin of stealing from his own people. But look at what changes when Zacchaeus meets Jesus. Look what changes. Uh, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything... I will pay back four times the amount. I picked this picture. I wanted to pick a picture of repentance. I'm not sure if he was going to be a crying, repentant person or actually if he's found this great newfound joy in a new direction. Our pictures are just pictures, right? But what would it have been like for this moment when Zacchaeus turns his life around? He realized all of a sudden, I've been doing the wrong thing for so long. I've got to do something that is right now. And he wants to make amends. He finds mercy, he finds forgiveness from Jesus. God's grace covers his sins. And that's the catalyst for change in Zacchaeus' life. He, he decides to make amends. He decides to stop sinning. Jesus brings transformation to his life. And do you know what? The leopard can change his spots. Shows it in Zacchaeus' life. I don't know what spots you have, but Jesus can change your spots. And that's part of the hope that we have in Jesus, and, and it's the hope that we share here every week at church. Jesus can make a real difference in your life. And do you know what? Jesus can make a real difference in the life of our community here. If people meet him, their lives will change. I'm guessing uh, it wasn't easy for Zacchaeus to turn his life around in an instant. In the chapter before this, Jesus said how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And now you have Zacchaeus, this very rich man, all of a sudden, the other guy, remember, he wouldn't want to sell his stuff to follow Jesus? Well, Zacchaeus now says, I'm going to give half of it away. I'm going to pay back everybody. The wealth doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus. And Jesus declares in verse 9, he says, Today, salvation has come to his house. See, the Son of Man comes to seek and save the lost. See, Jesus doesn't come to save those who are already saved. He comes to save those who are lost who've lost their way. He comes to, to save those who are stuck in sin and those who are slaves to whatever it is that drives them. Jesus comes into the lives of the lost to help them find their way again. Jesus transforms life. 
Uh, he transforms lives. And it, in this process begins when we see him, uh, sorry, when we seek him, uh, and then we welcome him in, and when we say yes to a new pattern for our lives, and that process is not completed in a day. You know, New Year's resolutions about going to the gym. Um, um, I was at the gym class at the beginning of last year, beginning of 2023, and I went to the class that I normally went to, and the teacher said, it's going to be really busy for the first couple of weeks of January, but then everybody else will quit, and we'll be back to normal. Because um, it happens every year in gyms. Uh, I just joined Kiralee's gym. They sell a six-week membership because they know most of us are going to not even come for those six weeks. You can't change in a day, but with Jesus, as we let His Word shape us, as we let His Holy Spirit do His work in our hearts, bit by bit, if you continue with Him, He will change you. You don't see results overnight. You might see some, but the long-term change is what we're looking for. Uh, we let the Holy Spirit teach and correct and train us in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16. We'll see transformation as we're made more and more like the Jesus, uh, sorry, more and more like Jesus as we get sanctified by Him. And I think that's the third big idea from today's passage, changing because of Jesus. This year, we can expect to be changed because of Jesus' work in our lives. We can expect transformation in our own lives if we follow Jesus faithfully. And that's every single one of us. Whether you've been a Christian for 10 minutes or 10 years or 80 years, you can expect Jesus to do work in your life, but you've got to let him in. You've got to ask him. And I think you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. We can expect to see transformation in the lives of those around us as we bring our new Christ-likeness into every relationship. The new year, it's always an opportunity to make a change, uh, to make a new start. I wonder what will your new start be in 2024? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're, we're like leopards who find it hard to change our spots. Heavenly Father, will you, by your Holy Spirit, come into the secret places of our hearts? Will you work to bring change and to bring renewal uh, to bring transformation to make us more like the lord jesus father would you do a work in each one of us today and those who aren't here today we pray for christians across australia and across the world lord that by your spirit you'd be bringing new life and we pray that it wouldn't just transform us but the communities that we live in and we pray father that many people this year like zacchaeus would climb the tree to come and see who jesus is and find new life in him we pray this so that Jesus will be honoured. Amen.